welcome to another episode of Panel Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Dominique, and come chat with me while we talk about comics, graphic novels, and manga. So today's episode is a little bit different than the other episodes that I've done so far. Um, I haven't got around to doing this yet. I mean, I, I briefly did uh, a, ba- a few basic facts about myself when I recorded the first episode, which, by the way, was really informal, and I was just getting a general feel of how I wanted to go about recording the podcast. Um, so if it seems unpolished, um, that's because it was. <laughs> I think my notes consisted of a couple of lines of, like, chicken scratch, and that was it. And now that I'm about halfway done with the first season, yes, guys, we are about halfway done. Um, I know it doesn't seem like that long because of the fact that each episode is roughly 20-ish minutes, but for me, it's more than long. (laughs) I started uh, this podcast with the intention of just recording it to have something else that I can put on my freelance resume, uh, resume, (laughs) resume, so that I can eventually get a higher paying job that pays me to work for myself. Um, but if my audience reflects this, this is something that I wouldn't mind doing full-time. Ooh, Lord, I'm burping in the... (laughs) Anyway, like, um, (laughs) if I could become a full-time podcaster, I would be fucking living the dream. But yeah, it it seems so long for me because I write so many notes beforehand so that I don't stumble through the podcast like it did in the first episode. And I write about six pages of notes per episode in Times uh, New Roman uh, in 12-point font, (laughs) which takes a lot of time. It's like writing a paper for, like, writing a paper a week for school. But instead of that being my only thing I need to do for the week, I'm also doing this, or I'm doing this also on top of writing actual papers for school and working full-time at a library where I'm handling, like, multiple tasks throughout the day. And that includes things like writing, programming, computer monitoring, handling library and uh, interlibrary loans, shelving, making display tables, having weekly meetings, constantly doing online training, and then doing the day-to-day tasks with uh, patrons and stuff. So me trying to write six pages of notes for a 20-minute podcast is kind of difficult. Um, But I'm doing this because I honestly love doing it. Um, But I do have extreme anxiety about me doing this, getting no traction, no audience, and me basically just talking to myself, which is fine, I guess. I mean, I do that shit for free, so (laughs) why not post it and possibly get a paycheck out of it? (laughs) But, okay, in all seriousness, I am really aiming to have my own career uh, with my own schedule and not have to work for some government like I do now. Um, I don't live to labor, so I want my labor to feel more like living than like working. And I don't mind putting a lot of work and effort into something, as long as it's something that I really love doing, and I'm reaping all the benefits and the rewards from what I'm putting my effort into. Um, But I kind of got off track there. But what I was trying to say is that I'll be doing a small get to know me, where I tell you a little bit more about myself. We aren't going to dwell on it for very long considering uh, I have a list of books I need to go over, but I do want y'all to kind of know a little bit better about who you're actually listening to. Um, I know it's a really odd thing to do in episode 7, but at the end of the day I did it, so (laughs) that's all that matters. Anyway, so if you haven't already figured this out yet, I'm Dominique, I'm 27, um, and I'm a library assistant. (laughs) 
I work at a library in my neighboring county and I read graphic novels for fun. Um, I also have hope for myself that I would like to eventually get to the point where I can podcast for money so that I can create my own schedule, get paid comfortably, and just manifest what I've been trying to manifest since I got into the work field. <laughs> I used to be a horticulture program assistant, and if you don't know what that means, it basically means that I was certified, I was a certified horticulturist for our local extension office, and I told people what was wrong about their plants, identified plants, did a little bug identification and entomology, uh, learned some mycology, focused on sustainable agriculture in urban areas. Um, I have three going on four papers from school. Um, I've got three certifications, one in sustainable urban agriculture one in turf grass maintenance and one in garden technology. Um, I have my associates in environmental horticulture and then I'm finishing up my bachelor's in environmental studies. And I'm planning on continuing school and getting my master's and I haven't really decided between the two yet, but I either wanna get my master's in creative writing or sticking with the environmental thing and going for regenerative organic agriculture. And yes, I'm a little too old to still not have, have got my bachelor's degree yet, but there are people out there way older than me doing these things. And also just remember that you do things on your own time, not when society tells you to get shit done. <laughs> Life lessons, remember that. Anyway, so now I live a little outside of Atlanta with my partner um, of going on four years this November. We don't have pets or kids, it's just us. Uh, and we enjoy it. We love living by ourselves. <laughs> And I did have a kid back in 2015, but there was a lot of health problems associated and she did end up passing, which took a bit of a toll on me, but I'm healing and everything has significantly improved since that very horrific year. So I'm okay. Um, I don't wanna get super into detail about it, but just know that I do think about my daughter every single day and that in no way am I saying that I fully recovered because honestly, there is no recovering from that. Um, and I don't want to get too dark, so that's pretty much a quick sum of my life. Other than that, I'm fat, and I love anime. Anime? What is wrong with me today? Anime. I love anime and books. <laughs> anyway, so now that y'all mostly know about me, we can go on to the episode. So in this episode, I don't have to uh, have a specific subject. Initially, I was going to talk about underrated graphic novels, but I actually ended up not recording for a couple weeks. So I have a lot of stuff to catch you up on that I've read within uh, those couple of weeks. And I did take an entire week off of not writing because I had some work projects that had a deadline of before the end of May. Um, so I had to get those things done. And... Uh, so I did end up reading a lot more than planned because I took multiple weeks to record this episode. <laughs> Excuse me, I just keep burping. So I've got a decent amount of stuff to catch y'all up on and I don't really have time to go over a specific subject. Um, maybe sometime in season two, I'll go over underrated graphic novel topics because I do have some books I would like to shout out because they're just way too good for people to not know them. Honestly, also, I've been doing underrated graphic novels on TikTok, so go check that out um, at Green Moth. So when I logged on to Hoopla for the month um, of June, I don't know what happened, but it looks like they increased the amount of borrows to 10. And years ago, when I first started using Hoopla, the borrows were initially at uh, 10, but then it went down to 5 for a few years, and now it's back up to 10. 
Um, I just hope they leave it at 10 so I can read more books. And uh, now that I finally caught up in Laura Olympus and have to wait for new episodes, I think weekly, um, I'm able to read other things again, which is kind of a relief because I haven't actually recorded an episode in about two or three weeks because I've been behind on reading because of work projects and then just me being hooked on Laura Olympus. <laughs> so let's just get right into the first one. Um, I read Blue Angel by Julie Moreau, and if you haven't heard of this book, you may know it by a different name, and there was a movie called Blue is the Warmest Color, which actually was the movie adaptation of Blue Angel, which was also renamed as Blue is the Warmest Color. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's a very emotional deep read, and from the very beginning, I saw a lot of differences, uh, one having to do with the main character of the novel, so... I'll be giving out spoilers from here on now out, so if you haven't read the graphic novel or seen the movie, I would suggest you do before continuing this episode. I'll give you a second. <laughs> okay, so now that you've read the book, <laughs> so I'm just going to say this from the start. Clementine dies. Um, they made it clear from the very beginning of the book that she was dead because actually the way it started... Uh, was events that took place after her death and uh, you're kind of guided through her story in the perspective of Emma the other main character by uh, reading her diaries and journal entries and this was such an interesting way to tell the story and I wish I knew of more stories that told the narrative in that particular way but anyway so it's basically um, the story of a girl named Clementine or Clementine, I, I always say Clementine, but I'm pretty sure it's Clementine, who is just a regular teenage girl, and she ends up meeting this girl with blue hair. And she saw her on the street once and thought she was interesting from that point on. Uh, but then she ended up going to a club with her friend Valentine, and she ended up bumping back into the blue-haired girl, which turns out to be Emma. And they have this weird sexual tension with each other that consistently uh, just builds. <laughs> And it was, it was a really good read, and I definitely think that everyone should read it. <laughs> okay, so now I'll be going briefly over Lost at Sea by Brian O'Malley, which is the same author who created the Scott Pilgrim series and the Snot Girl series. And I also read Lost by Sea by uh, Brian O'Malley, um, which was, I don't know why I said that twice, because I just, anyway, <laughs> this is a different type of graphic novel. Um, it wasn't extremely hardcore, like action here and like fucked up shit there. It was just like simply a story of a girl who lost her soul after an online romance and how she rekindles the desire to want to live. Um, and I definitely relate to the story because throughout the entire book, the thoughts in her head are so unsure, like she's just unsure of everything and uh, how she thinks everyone secretly hates her and she's so sad and lonely and she literally thinks her mom sold her soul to the devil when she was 14. But as the reader, you realize that her soullessness is just basically disguised depression. Um, the dialogue is really metaphorical and ly lyrical, uh, which I can appreciate. And the whole book has this vibe of like, someone playing an acoustic guitar in the passenger seat of a pickup truck on a warm summer night <laughs> like this weird nostalgic feel kind of like i'm not i'm not sure it's like real nostalgic but i absolutely love it um very emotional 10 out of 10 i would highly suggest this book now um i'll be discussing the book juliet takes a breath by gabby rivera 
Um, I've also read Juliet Takes a Breath in the last week, and can I say this is one of the more powerful books that I've read. Uh, being black and queer with a white partner isn't easy, and I just saw a part of myself in this. Um, the only difference is that she's a lesbian and I'm bisexual in a heteropassing relationship. Um, but what I can definitely definitely relate to is her being around a white queer feminist and how she just sometimes sees things a little different than her. Um, I have a lot of white friends so sometimes I feel like I come off a little different than what they're used to and I'm a little outspoken to my friends and partner about things I disagree with uh, when it comes to racism and how black people are being treated significantly different from white people. Um, and I know I don't want to turn this into a political podcast, I've said this before, but sometimes things are outside of the realm of politics uh, when it comes to life experience as a fat, queer, black woman surrounded by white people. And I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by mostly POC at my job, and uh, two of my close friends are both queer and black. But at the end of the day, um, it's hard for Juliet to find a space outside of liberal towns like Portland, where she takes an internship with her favorite author, um, who believes that women are made from fairies and things like that. You know, like stuff that you can romanticize as a feminist. Uh, but anyway, so this book is about a closeted Hispanic lesbian from the Bronx who finally decides to come out to her family right before she uh, fled to Portland for her internship. So because she's from the Bronx and comes from a very Christian family who wants nothing to do with homosexuality, uh, she doesn't really have an idea of queer culture in general. So um, she goes to Portland and starts her internship with her favorite author, and she meets a lot of very beautiful queer characters during her stay in Portland. Uh, she has a girlfriend who's, who she's had uh, problems with for a while now, but uh, then she meets a library intern, which I think is funny because I work at a library, and ends up hitting it off with her. So this book really shows you what not to do if you're an ally. Uh, there's a specific scene where Harlow, the author of The Raging Flower, uh, which is where the main character Juliet is interning, gets called out on stage for being a white feminist. So a black queer woman calls her out uh, from the audience during a reading and asks her what specifically she was doing to aid black and brown communities and to respectfully not throw everyone under the same umbrella because we all have different experiences. And so she answers by saying that she opened her home to a, and I quote, an impoverished inner-city queer Latina, saving her from bullets and violence. It's all due to her raging flower. That's literally how she said, well, that's how I would imagine she said it. <laughs> Bro, when I read that, my jaw fucking dropped. So basically, she did her dirty and made it look like she came from some violent-ass community and she quote-unquote saved her, showcasing that oh-so-significant uh, white savior complex that a lot of white feminists have. And it's a really good read. And if you're interested in feminism, queer spaces, what it means to be an ally, being an anti-racist, and all that other good shit, this is a book for you. <laughs> all right, so next I'll be talking about The Pervert by Michelle Perez. Um, so I was really excited to start reading The Pervert by Michelle Perez because I read an interview by Comicosity.com called Queer Visibility Interview, uh, Michelle Perez on The Pervert. And I was looking through it, and you know how sometimes interviews have a little sneak peek of the artist's work, right? Well, first of all, this whole book gives me extreme Megan Mog vibes. And I know y'all are probably tired of me talking about Megan Mog at this point, but what can I say? That's the type of shit I really enjoy. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, so there's a scene that they show in this book where the main character is flipping through Tinder or something like Tinder. Um, and guess who she swipes left on? <laughs> this literally killed me. Owl from fucking Megan Mog. <laughs> like, she had to have been inspired by Simon Hanselman. And also, there's a scene where the main character is at their job. It's like a flashback because she currently does sex work. But anyway, so we just randomly spot Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> and I love seeing cameos uh, from other uh, things, other book characters from different books. It, I just, I love it. And it's very unexpected, but definitely gives me like a serotonin boost, which I desperately need. <laughs> now, this book does have a lot of graphic images, so I would highly suggest to avoid this book if you were a kid. You know, something that needs to be done more often um, is for people to actually look at the content of graphic novels and manga rather than just assume it's for kids because it's a drawing. Like, there are actually a lot of graphic novels that are definitely not for kids. Um, and you can find sitting, you can find it sitting in the kids section at the library. Like, when I was about 14, I found Blankets by Craig Thompson in my school library. And although I'm kind of glad that it was there because otherwise I would have never got into graphic novels in the first place, it still wasn't something that was entirely appropriate for a 14-year-old. So even though this graphic novel has cartoons and dogs and cats and talking animals, there is a lot of talk about sex work and the depressing side of it, like clients getting attached to workers, transphobia within the sex community, uh, sex work community, and just having to deal with depressing ass life on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> and it's hella depressing. So yeah, I definitely wouldn't suggest this book to anyone under the age of 18. And something you probably have noticed at this point in the show is that this show is geared towards adults not kids um we already have enough stuff geared towards kids with cartoons and shit but this is a show for adults who love reading comics watching cartoons manga anime so on and so forth um so a lot of the stuff that i'm talking about has a lot of adult content in it uh, so do not let your kids listen to me <laughs> up next I'll be talking about Stagtown by Punko on Webtoons. So apparently, Marty or Alice McGrow um, goes by Punko now. And I found this out because a Webtoon was in my suggestions by the name of Stagtown, which I, of course, started reading when I found out that it was by the same person who made Bisingast. And uh, so far, it's really creepy, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next in this. Um, and also, apparently, this webtoon has already been published previously, so just make sure you avoid looking at the comments because some of the top comments say that other people spoil it. So I would just avoid all comments until you're caught up or actually until the entire story is published. Um, just avoid the comments. Um, but anyway, so as far as I can tell, there's this girl who lives in a town that randomly starts installing cameras everywhere, but no one knows where, like, who's installing these cameras. Uh, but I also got to a part where the focus is no longer on the creepy cameras, um, but now on a bunch of children wearing animal head masks. So I'm not sure if it's shifting the focus on a different story or if it, it will all connect in the end. Um, and it also gives me some real heavy Junji Ito vibes uh, with the art style and the level of creepy. I do think it's funny at the end of episode 9, she surprises us with a short comic about how she had to buy an actual pig's head so that she could have like a full 360 reference of what it's, it looks like so she could draw it. And then she said she got hung up on and placed on a 
on a government watch list, which of course is probably a joke, but I found it pretty humorous. Um, and also there's a discord for this webtoon, so I went ahead and joined that after I caught up with the most recent episode. So now I'm going to be talking about I'm Not Okay With This by Charles Forsman. And this book is so interesting because it's completely different from the Netflix adaptation. And if you didn't know this already, Netflix did a live action adaptation of this graphic novel. And can I just say, the book itself is much darker than the actual show. Um, and the show was pretty dark. And of course, Netflix made it a lot more theatrical. So before I watched the show, before I read the book, um, I'm sorry, because I watched the show before I read the book, I was going into this a little blindly and expecting it to be more of an action book, more than a metaphorical dark book. And once again, I will be talking about spoilers in this. So make sure you read the book before you listen to this. Okay, so basically, this story centers around a 15-year-old girl who has w the weird ability to blow up, like, blow people up, essentially. And she tries to actively control it, but it kind of gets worse as time progresses. Her father dies, unfortunately, from having the same abilities, and now it's just her, her kid brother, and her mom, who are all, like, really depressed. So, in the Netflix adaptation, she becomes friends with this dude named Stanley, who she also becomes friends with in the book. But here's where it differs. In the show, Sydney's dad ends his own life. In the book, he asks Sydney to stop the pain because he has PTSD from the war and this horrible ability. So she kills her own dad. Yeah, completely different. Also, her friend Stanley supplies her with a bunch of pot and she pretty much just uses him and doesn't actually get attracted to him like in the show. And then in the show, there is a turning point where she ends up killing someone. I can't remember who exactly she killed because I watched this a while ago. But in the book, she kills Dina's abusive boyfriend who took advantage of her. Um, so here's where it really takes a turn. In the show, Steve finds out about this ability. In the book, Steve never even suspects that she has this ability. Also, after she kills the dude in the show, if I remember correctly, she runs off uh, into the tower... Uh, but something crazy happens where she can see her dad or her dad's powers or something. And in the book, it ends with Sydney being unable to cope and blowing her own head up. And that's it. That's the end of the book. The book is much darker, much more depressing, and really triggering to read if you have dealt with suicide or issues relating to that. Okay, so now I'm going to wrap this up with a couple of books that I have on my reading list. I always have this never-ending list of books uh, that I want to read or need to read, but whatever. So yeah, so a couple of other books that I have on my reading list right now is My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness by J&K, uh, or I'm sorry, I don't know who, who did Lesbian Experience with Loneliness. I, I read the next one, sorry. J&K is the next one by John Pham. Roly Poly by Daniel Faminus. Unreal City by DJ Bryant. And The Cartoon Utopia by Ron Reje Jr. The Search for Smiling Ed by Kim Deitch. Uh, Slam by Pamela Ribbon. And Sugar Town by uh, Hazel Nulevant. <laughs> and that looks like that's it for today so follow me on my anime list at green moth spelled gr33nmoth gr33nmoth follow me on goodreads to see what i'm currently reading and keep listening to um or keep listening online wherever you get your podcast thanks for listening to another episode of panel zone much love